According to studies, women-led startups receive less than 3% of all venture capital funding. Marissa Bronfman wants to change that. After a decade building startups, she's taken a seat at the other side of the table as an impact investor and is on an impassioned mission to democratize the space. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Marissa Bronfman, Chief Brand Officer at Kismet Impact Capital, a new impact investing initiative focused on building a portfolio of purpose-driven companies and expected to be one of the world's first publicly traded impact investment funds, allowing individual investors to participate in their portfolio's growth. In our conversation, Marissa looks back on her years as an impact entrepreneur and explains how and why she made the leap to impact investor. We discuss the specific challenges facing women entrepreneurs and the need for change. Marissa then shares the lessons she's learned from working in the space and why she's so excited to support impact entrepreneurs, especially women, gain funding and traction. So I was really impressed, first and foremost, by your experience. It seems like you've been on the entrepreneurial side of things for a long time. So I just want to know your background and how you got involved as um, in the in the space of what we call either uh, impact entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship. Tell us a bit more about that. Thank you. Yeah, so happy to be here and, and have this conversation. And like I said, really happy to have it during March. I think, you know, every day should be International Women's Day, but certainly I know the world is focused on that this month. Yes. Um, one of the cool aspects about this space is that I think women are uh, inherently drawn to this kind of business. Yeah. Um, as women, we are often thinking of um, the planet. We're thinking of health. We're thinking about so many other factors. Um, but to go back to the the beginning, so to speak, I am um, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I built my first business in India. Actually, it was a media business, and then I built a plant based food business. It was so much fun. Uh, we had like Bollywood stars as our customers. We were in Vogue. We were like really, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then when I moved back to Toronto, which is where I'm from, I wanted to stay connected to India. And so I um, decided to start a superfood business called Shot of Gold. I was the person I was looking for years ago. <laughs> ah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Which, which honestly, I feel so privileged because I speak to so many women entrepreneurs and, and now have an added ability to help them and to fund them when women really just need more money. Um, but yes, the whole idea with Shot of Gold was to help people become healthier and happier. Living in India, you know, I, I for myself, discovered turmeric. It's been around for thousands of years, and I think it is the most powerful superfood. And so I thought if we could incorporate the superfood into our everyday lives, like imagine our immunity, or imagine our health and wellness. But there was a gap, <clears throat> pardon me, there was a gap Um it's so messy. It stains everything. It often comes in giant bags. So your white countertops are no longer white. And so there was this barrier for consumers. Right. So what I did was I created single serving packets and some had pink Himalayan salt. So if you wanted to add it to a soup, some had jaggery, which is a healthy Indian unrefined sugar, you could add it to fruit or something. And the idea was that you would start having turmeric every day. 
Oh, okay, great. And a part of that business also, as you said, you were also giving back um, a percentage of the a percentage of the profits. Is that it? A percentage of the it was actually five percent of all revenue, which oh. is a smart decision. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Many things I've learned the hard way. And um, we give back to girls in India through our charity partner in that business. So I have had many years as an entrepreneur um, building different kinds of businesses, um, you know, in different countries, different regions, uh, different categories. I myself am plant-based. So this space Ah. in particular, I'm very passionate about. Um, And like I said earlier, I, I think, you know, women tend to have a more holistic approach to business. And I would also argue that women tend to have a holistic approach to funding. Ah. So, you know, we know um, very sadly that less than 7% of all venture capital partners are women. We know that less than 3% of women entrepreneurs receive venture capital funding. So, you know, the numbers are egregious. But when you have a woman in venture capital, she is naturally looking at more women entrepreneurs. She's looking at the social impact of businesses, whether it's uh, run by a man or a woman or a group of them. Um, And so I love this combination of, you know, women in VC, women entrepreneurs, impact investing or social entrepreneurship. Can you tell us about We Are Women? What, What was that? What was that about? Yeah, thank you for asking. That was something that was really close to my heart. Um, when the pandemic first hit, I was in Toronto, I, uh, was sort of relaunching my business shot of gold. And, um, because my, my main ingredient was turmeric, as you probably know, a lot of people during, you know, early COVID were thinking, how do I stay healthy from a food perspective? How can I have the strongest immunity possible? And so, um, shot of gold actually had this opportunity to enter grocery much sooner than I was planning for my business. We were previously, um, e-commerce and, um, around that time was also, uh, black lives matter. And I had started an interview series called Women Supporting Women in Food at at the beginning of COVID to really tell some of these stories. I knew so many women entrepreneurs in Toronto, but across Canada that shut their business after 19 years. They couldn't keep their restaurant going during COVID or had to completely pivot or their supply chain, you know, was blown apart. There were so many things. And many of these women were mothers, uh, daughters, sisters. There was such a burden added by COVID as well, I said, we need to talk about this really publicly, or we're not going to make it. And so I started this interview series, Black Lives Matter happened. And I I literally, not figuratively, I literally looked at my series, I looked at all these beautiful photos of all these women. And it was like all white women. And I said, if me as someone who's, you know, very liberal has lived abroad, is highly educated, uh, deeply empathic, didn't see this from the outset, then most people aren't. And so um, I took a a real strong approach to looking for Black women in food, looking for Indigenous women in food and beverage, like really making an effort to go out there. And I'm I'm proud to say at the end of the interview series, it was over over 45% BIPOC, Um, Mm. but it took a lot of work and it shouldn't. So We Are Women came out of that. I wanted to spotlight exclusively BIWOC women in food. We ended up partnering with an incredible organization called NACA. They're an indigenous organization. 
And of the 15 women we featured, we created a box of food and beverage products. Of the 15, seven were indigenous from across the country. It was so cool. We had um, a woman owned maple syrup business from the East Coast. You know, we had a sister company from Vancouver Island. Like it was really incredible. We created 50 of these boxes and we sent them to 50 of Canada's most powerful women. So uh, Minister Mary Ng shared it last year on International Women's Day. Um, tons of different women across across industry and government received the box. And, and it was really quite a powerful great. Yeah. thing. Thank you. <laughs> so where is it? Where is it now? So um, that's a wonderful question. It's kind of in flux. When I started We Are Women, I was an entrepreneur and, and now I feel very privileged to be on the other side of the table as an investor. And I, I will always for my whole life, Elisa, um, you know, be in the women's empowerment space, especially food and beverage. So we're talking about ways to evolve We Are Women okay. um, on both sides of the table. Okay. That makes sense. Could you tell me what prompted you to pivot to that uh, becoming an impact investor from the world of entrepreneurship? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Honestly, you know, it sounds cheesy, but I actually say it was kismet, which means destiny. About a year ago, uh, a friend of mine, who's a woman venture capitalist, there are so few, but there are some, um, (laughs) was actually helping me structure an acquisition deal for Shot of Gold. So there was a much larger company. They were interested in possibly acquiring us. For me, I was like, this is great. Um, And so we went quite far down that road. Ultimately, it didn't work out in the end. And she said, let's let's just introduce you to some other plant-based VCs. Maybe they're looking for a woman to become an advisor or join the board. Um, and so she made a few introductions. And little did I know that one of the phone calls I had would be with the founder of Kismet. And uh, on our third call, I believe, uh, on the second call, he told me his secret. He was leaving his current company to start Kismet. On the third call, they asked me to join. And I think on the fourth one, they asked me to join full time. Um, And I just feel that it was meant to be. I feel like I've done a lot of work uh, to get to this place. and, And now I can help even more women from here. That's great. Uh, that's a great story. I love that. So, and, and, um, what is it about? What's its mission and what, uh, gaps is it trying to fill? What needs is it trying to meet? I love Kismet's mission. I already told you, I think it's Kismet that I'm on this team, you know, at this stage in my life and in my career, um, basically, you know, we have a very lofty goal and that is to democratize impact investing. So, you know, it's March, we are two women speaking to each other. Most investors are not women. Most companies that are receive investment aren't women founders, aren't even necessarily women on the leadership team. Um, and then the people investing in them, you know, can write a half million dollar check and they don't need the liquidity for five to 10 years. And so what we're seeing in investing, whether impact or not, historically, is you're seeing the same kind of people benefit. And frankly, that's often white men. We're seeing the same people who you know, have the wealth, have the knowledge, be able to invest in these exciting private opportunities um, and then you know, reap the rewards. And then so everyday people are left out. But if impact investing is to create better businesses and, and better effects for people on the planet, why wouldn't we invite more people to be a part of that future? And so Kismet is saying, we're going to create a fund. We are going to invest in impact businesses. Our three categories are one, my favorite plant-based food and beverage. We're looking at health tech and we're looking at clean tech. So we're going to invest in these three categories, but we're going to do something no one else is doing. We're going to take that public 
So even if you have $10, you don't have $100,000, you have $10, but you want to start investing or you want to start being a, a part of the future of businesses that you know, are good for the planet and good for people, you could buy one piece of kismet. And by buying a piece of kismet, you've now bought a tiny piece of all the incredible businesses that we've invested in. Isn't that great? Yeah. I love that. Revolutionary. I love that. <laughs> it's pretty revolutionary. So, you know, I say, as you can tell from our, our conversation, kismet is very personal to me. This mission is very personal to me. And I say to people, you know, I'm not an investor. I, I wasn't before I came here. My little sister isn't, and neither is my best friend. And why are all these incredible women not participating in the stock market? And further, why are they not able to invest in businesses that, you know, give 1% back to the planet or have an entire woman leadership team, whatever, you know, is your mm -hmm. interest with an impact. Um, and, and once we go public as Kismet, they can. Oh, that's great. So when is that all going to happen? What are yeah. we waiting on? <laughs> so we've got lots of exciting things coming up um, leading to our IPO. Next month, we're going to California. It'll be sort of our entree into the United States. We are sponsoring um, the Vegan Women's Summit. So we've got women, we've got plant-based, as you can see, very mission aligned. Nice. Um, I will be speaking with some other incredible uh, women in venture capital from around the world about funding women. And then we are looking to, we're looking to do some other things that I can't say just yet. And then IPO in the fall. Okay. So, so we're really excited about that. There's lots happening. We've been speaking to and looking at um, over a hundred different companies across these three categories. And honestly, I like, there's so many women in food and beverage I want to fund. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to pick. That's going to be the tough part, right? Having to for choose. Me for, sure. yeah. <laughs> for yeah. me, for sure. For me, for sure. But we're really excited about uh, what 2022 means for Kismet. That's great. I did read a little bit about it. Um, it was in the paper. I noticed something and I, I got very excited. I think it's a wonderful mission. I did not realize that people are going to be able to uh, actually invest in it. So that adds to yeah. my excitement. I think that's wonderful. So if we do touch upon lessons learned, curious if any of the lessons you learned as an entrepreneur or something that you really feel could guide you um, in your current role and how, and, and, and what could we all learn perhaps? I'm throwing a yeah. bunch of questions at you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking them. I'm taking them. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, and uh, this seems to resonate with a lot of women, and I certainly saw that when I started the interview series, Women Supporting Women in Food, um, the lesson is to ask for help. I think so many women, and certainly I'll speak for myself, you feel like you have to do it all. You have to know the answers. You are, you know, a one person ship and you're, you're meant to build the ship and uh, sail the ship and everything in between. And that's not possible. There's certainly no man that could do that. Um, there's no person that could do that. And so I think asking for help is definitely um, important. Everyone has to do it. It's something I wish I had done more of. My skill set at the time with my businesses amazing on building a brand, uh, you know, purpose, uh, mission alignment, building teams, creating things that people love and talk about. 
Um, and some of the other things that I wasn't good at, I could have just asked for help. I could right. have hired someone. I could have, you know, given a portion of equity. Um, and so all those things, you know, hindsight's 2020 lessons learned. That's absolutely okay. But if I can encourage and help other women in those early days to look for the help um, that they need in areas that maybe aren't their strengths, because you can't be good at everything. Um, I think that that really can make or break a business. And for women entrepreneurs, uh, that is a huge lesson. I, is there anything that they can take away in terms of how do they put their best foot forward? For example, if they, let's say, would come to you um, or to another potential impact investor, what is what any any kind of tips? Yeah, I think this industry, like almost all industries, and certainly you know plant-based food and beverage, where I come from, it's so much about community and your network. It's about genuine and authentic relationships. Those things take time, um, and they really require you know you to be yourself if you're going to build a real relationship. Um, that's so important. And so I think for women entrepreneurs, one, understand who you are, understand what you're good at and what you're not, um, understand what need in the market or what need in the world you're filling through your business. That's really important. What problem are you solving and why are you positioned to solve that problem really well versus anyone else? The other thing about impact investing, and we're always clarifying this, and I'm sure in the near future, we won't have to because impact investing should just be investing. Yes. But Sorry <laughs> exactly. to interrupt, but yes, go no, ahead. No, no. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but we're always reminding people impact investing is not charity. Impact investing is not giving away dollars. Impact investing is literally looking for the marriage of purpose and profit. And they do not need to be on opposite ends of the spectrum. We think the future of all business is those things combined. So, you know, if a woman entrepreneur is looking for funding and she specifically thinks or does have an impact business and wants impact dollars, um, I encourage her to be very clear um, about the impact part of her business. And that could be environmental, it could be social, it could be governance, so ESG, which we hear a lot. But also know your numbers, know your roadmap. If you're asking for money, how far does that money take you? Statistically, we know from, from funding women that women perform better than men. I say this with a massive smile on my face. The numbers support me. Um, when we fund women, their businesses perform better. They hire other women. They create products and services that are better for people and the planet. I mean, it is a win-win-win. And that's what we're after with impact investing. So I would say if, if you're a woman entrepreneur and you have an impact business and you want impact dollars, know your impact, but also really know your business. I couldn't have asked for better advice. It's, it's so you. important. So important. And it's something that I talk about a lot. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I mentioned how people need to know their story and be able to tell that story well, but it's not just the story that's going to sell you. It has to be, you have to show up with like the numbers and the, and the, and the, the data and everything to back you up. Don't Absolutely. Honestly, like, I think the origin story for founders is so important. That's yes. what sells books. That's what, you know, has yes. viewers dragon stand. That's what can create a loyal fan base and customer base of millions of people that buy your product. But like you said, um, you, you still need the business plan and you need the people in place to see that vision and mission through. Yeah. And if you don't have that person in place, get one. <laughs> yeah, and so if I may, as a follow-up to your other question, yes. these are my these are my learnings too. 
when you're focusing on what you're good at, if a business plan is not what you're good at, it doesn't mean you're a bad business person. You just need help structuring a business plan. There were times when, you know, now billion dollar entrepreneurs turn investors could write something down on a napkin and it became a global business. I would say that's needle in a haystack, diamond in the rough. That is outlier. <laughs> right. Now, hire another woman business consultant to help you draw up a business plan. There are tons of now um, organizations that will often guide you for free. Um, maybe you're not good at bookkeeping. That doesn't mean you're a bad business person. Get a bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Me too. <laughs> not me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I never want women to feel like if they're creative, they're not a business person because just because a woman was a numbers person, that doesn't make her a business person either. So just look for what your, what your weaknesses are and focus on your strengths. Great. Thank you. Anything else that I didn't give you a chance to say? Honestly, there's so many. We could sit here for your original joke of five hours. Five hours? Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going then. I'll just get a but, coffee. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, and I've said this before, um, and it's sort of part of knowing yourself, know when to move on. You know, be passionate uh, when you're an entrepreneur, that's your life. That's night and day. It's often your savings. You're often in debt. You know, you're asking for favors from friends and from family and you're not sleeping well. This is, you know, the most uh, common experience of being an entrepreneur, but also know how far you're willing to go. How much debt are you willing to take on? And if your business doesn't work out, do you have a safety net for getting a job, paying off that debt, starting something else? Um, have you lost your passion or do you just need someone else on your team? I think it's really important to make sure you know when to call it quits, know when you need to add to your team and when to keep going because those three things are very different. Absolutely. And that's probably something that you learned well from your own experiences, right? Like that. I definitely did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so now that I've, I've been through it, um, it's much easier for me to see it in other entrepreneurs and I can relate. And I think most investors have never been an entrepreneur. Right. So I, I like that I can bring a, a human element to it. I think it's important too, because that element is, is vital, I think, to the whole relationship. Um, great. I'm very excited and I'm so glad that we spoke. You know, as you can see, it's been a really long journey from entrepreneurship to becoming an investor. I feel so grateful. I love our mission. Um, for people who are listening to this podcast, I would say, you know, drop us a note. We respond to every single person that reaches out to us. Um, I love to have these conversations. So, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an, an investor, whether you're just someone with questions or, you know, you've never invested, but you're really excited about what this could mean for you. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and specifically, if, if you're a woman, if you want to get into investing, if you are an investor, if you have a business and you don't know me, I want to know you. You can reach out to us on our website, um, on our Instagram at Kismet Impact. I have a very public profile too. Anyone's welcome to message me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, I love to have these conversations. That's great. That makes it pretty easy. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. This has been great. Thank it hasn't so been five hours yet, but I mean, for so far, it's been. <laughs> well, when we have the behind the scenes conversation about lessons learned, well, <laughs> it's a deal. It's a deal. Amazing. Well, thank you thank for having you. me. 
Thank you for sharing this and uh, happy Women's Day early. Same to you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum. Thank you.